Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are tuned to the Nighttime Podcast, focused on the fringe of Canada. Welcome back to an ongoing series exploring the life and crime of Lindsay Suvonarov, the young woman convicted of conspiracy to commit murder as a result of her role in the foiled Halifax Shopping Center Valentine's Day shooting plot. In the last entry in the series, the story of Lindsay Suvonarov, part four, life after planning death, we completed our three-piece interview with the enigmatic Savonarov, who had broken her silence to share her story with us from behind the walls of a Canadian federal prison. During our time with Lindsay, we heard a hell of a lot. Her childhood, her views on Nazism and Columbine, her relationship with James Gamble and their mass shooting plot, her arrest, her legal battle, her time in prison. It's been a real wild ride. And just like any respectable wild ride, as we traveled across Lindsay's story, we didn't take much time to slow down and examine the scenery. But that's about to change. Now that the story is told, we have the perspective and the time to more carefully consider the many topics and questions that had surfaced during the story. I consider this as a sort of pivoting point in my coverage of Lindsay's dark but fascinating story. The direction we'll now take will lead us through a series of episodes dedicated to specific concepts I felt worthy of further examination. And to help me with the unpacking, I've invited a series of guests with much more experience on these topics than me. Some of these upcoming episodes will cover the Columbiner subculture, internet radicalization, Lindsay's history told by people other than her, and a whole lot more. But we'll get to that stuff in upcoming weeks. I decided to start this coverage by looking a bit closer at the mechanics of James and Lindsay's mass shooting plot. And I put mechanics in air quotes. It became clear during this series that Lindsay and James spent much more time considering their wardrobes, music, and artwork than they did on a strategy for their murderous plot. And that fact has made many people question what would have, or even what could have happened had Lindsay been able to pass through airport security and connect with her co-conspirators. But thankfully, these are points left to speculation. But regardless, the fact does remain that something horrible was close to happening, and the potential for it was there as James did have access to firearms, specifically a shotgun, a rifle, and enough ammunition to have forever changed Halifax. And that's where we're going to direct our attention. Tonight, in this episode of Nighttime, we're going to be joined by the Canadian firearms expert Trevor Furlot, and together we're going to unload James and Lindsay's arsenal. In a few moments, we'll get to our conversation with Trevor, but I want to give a bit of a background before we dive into this. Namely, I'll tell you what we know about the firearms involved in the plot and how we know about them. During part three of the series titled Lindsay, James, and the Valentine's Day Massacre, Lindsay had explained that the pair chose to carry out the attack in Halifax as James had access to guns owned by his father, and of course it would be easier to get Lindsay to Halifax than it would be to get James and the guns into the United States. 
However, during our episode, Lindsay didn't give much detail on the weapons, the amount of ammunition, or how exactly the pair planned to use them. But that said, we have access to nearly every word Lindsay and James said to each other. They didn't once communicate by phone or by video chat. In fact, aside from the initial communications on Tumblr, the entirety of their relationship played out on Facebook Messenger. In the 1,200-plus page log of their chat history, it gives us a detailed view of nearly every aspect of this plot. So to obtain some facts about the firearms James had access to, Trevor and I had to look no further than an archive of this Facebook conversation and the selfies James sent to Lindsay holding the weapons. So to provide a bit of context before we get to the conversation about the firearms, I'll share the first mention of the weapons just as it occurred in the conversation between James and Lindsay. The reading you're about to hear is a portion of the conversation occurring only two days after the pair began chatting. At this point in the chat, the pair were communicating about nothing of consequence. It was basically, what do you do for fun, getting to know you type conversation. However, when discussing fashion of all things, James first tells his new friend Lindsay about his ambitions to commit a mass shooting and describes the weapons he would use. I think it would have been too big for me anyway. How much would one of those black Civil War jackets cost? I have no idea. Prices on these things tend to be sort of random. You might get lucky and find one at a low price, but I'd expect to spend a few hundred. I'll see if they have any at the Army Surplus Place next time I go. Then we can coordinate outfits and look badass. That'd be sick. And just sort of terrify everyone. One of my favorite hobbies. Where do you usually scare people? Just in public. In general. Uh, because I was just thinking, if you had a usual hangout or something, I'd show up there too, and then people would be like, oh god, there's two of them now. That would be perfect. (laughs) And we'd just sort of exchange conspiratorial glances before staring at them. Hopefully sending them running. What a great way to spend a day just terrorizing normal, inferior people. I hope to do that on a major scale someday. Same. I have everything I need as well. Do tell. Rifle, shotgun, outfit, ammo, knife. I'm jealous. I only have 13 bullets for the rifle, though, so I'll have to make them count. It's also a single shotgun. can only fit one shell at a time. But it's better than nothing. I just wish I had a partner that could take the shotgun while I take the hunting rifle. Way less chance of getting attacked, jumped, if I had a partner. I've never fired a gun before. I've lived such a pitiful, sheltered existence. Though it's something I like to think about. I haven't either, which is why I'd have to be extra precise. The next excerpt I'll share occurs a few days later, eerily on Christmas Day, no less. At this point in the conversation, again only days after meeting, Lindsay and James had just come to the agreement that they'd carry out some sort of mass murder event together. In the excerpt you'll hear read, Lindsay and James are putting together the first pieces in their plan. Here's how they decided who would use which weapon. I wish it could happen. 
Anything can happen when we put our minds to it. Very good point. Besides, you're working with me. I've already done a lot in my life. This should be easy. Now we just need money. I'm pretty sure I'll already be getting some for graduating, but either way, I'll need to get a job within a month or so. Maybe get some of my stories published. That could work. I'll try to look like a nice, productive member of society before I end up wreaking havoc. I've tried and failed that already. You feel like you don't belong with society, right? If that makes sense. Yes. I want no fucking part of it. Get a job. Go to school. I just want to leave this place and take people with me. Me, I always had a feeling I'd die young. Like it's what I was meant to do. I feel the same way. Like I was never born with the mindset, ability to interact with people properly, function properly on my own, or get into a relationship, have kids, get married, and get a job. I don't want any of that shit. I want to sleep forever. It was just about two years ago that I attempted suicide, but I lived. A year later, nearly succumbed to alcohol poisoning, twice. Now I'm realizing that I didn't die then because there's a different way I was meant to die. And with us together, it can happen. I feel the same way. Like, I've known where all my dad's weapons were for about six months, and I've barely been holding off using them. Maybe this could be what I was meant to hold off for. I don't know. I mean, I'm not really one to believe in spiritual hocus pocus, but, you know, just from talking to you these past few days, I feel like fate's involved here. Or like we must have known each other in a past life or something. Yeah, it's possible. I just want to find out what happens after death so bad. And if there is nothingness, I'll be too dead to care. And I came out of my years-long depression at just the same time I started posting all that Columbine stuff. I think it's a sign. Where would you want to hit if you did come here? And what weapon would you want? The lever-action hunting rifle with 13 bullets or the single-action shotgun with 25 birdshot shells? I really have no idea. This is all rather unfamiliar to me. You can have the shotgun then. More ammo. Sounds good. Again, I'm still somewhat drunk. That's Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. These short pieces are enough to give us a view of the firearms available to the plotters in a basic sense. However, James Gamble also took many photographs of himself posing with the guns. Many of these photos ended up in the chat logs via picture messages, and many others were posted to his Tumblr page. When I shared the photos with our soon-to-be guest Trevor Furlot, he instantly recognized the shotgun and the rifle as very common models of firearms. In fact, Trevor has each of these in his personal collection. So needless to say, Trevor knows a lot about these firearms. So I guess there's no need to spend any more time setting this up, 
Let's get to the conversation with my friend Trevor Furlot, a highly respected firearms enthusiast, advocate, and expert. My name is Trevor Furlot, and um, I am the vice president of the Rescue County Sport and Gun Club, one of the largest gun clubs uh, in Atlantic Canada. I am a certified range safety officer. Uh, I'm a firearms instructor, a co-host on a firearms-related podcast, and a avid competition shooter and uh, recreational or occasional hunter. Awesome. Now, Trevor, when I was looking into this story, one kind of aspect that comes up up a lot is the idea of would would the pair Lindsay and James even have been able to you know pull off what they were threatening to do given the firearms they have and 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 I knew I know nothing about firearms so I sent you the photos of um, of James holding the two guns in question were you able to identify what they are absolutely um, not only was I able to identify them uh, I own both of those firearms in question. Uh, one is very common firearm in Canada. It is a single shot Kui 12 gauge shotgun. So single shot means that the barrel on the firearm is essentially a pipe. It holds one round of ammunition uh, at a time. Uh, it's uh, a break action. You push a lever on the back of the receiver. The gun breaks in two, put a round of ammunition in it, close it up, cock the hammer, press the trigger, then you have to manually open it again, put in another round of ammunition, close it up, and fire again. Uh, it's very, it's fallen out of fashion in recent years because of the advent of uh, fancier pump action, pump action shotguns and semi-automatic shotguns that goose hunters and upland hunters would use. But for decades, that was probably the most popular shotgun in in Canada. A lot of Canadian homes had a Kui shotgun. And um, very common hunting shotgun for shooting grouse and, and rabbits. So that was yeah. the, that was the shotgun. What about the the other like more rifle style? What what's that? Yeah, the other one appears to be a Savage Model ninety nine. Uh, they came in a in a couple of different calibers. Looking at it, I think it's three hundred Savage, which is um, not a very common caliber these days. Uh, the one that I have, for example was made in 1954 and that one looks to be about the same vintage and the action on that firearm is a lever action so it's not self-loading necessarily you put the cartridges into the top of the receiver and then there's a lever think of like a cowboy gun from back in the old west or the spaghetti western movies how when the cowboy would shoot then he would have to manually manipulate this lever and what that lever does is it, it pulls a, a, a fired cartridge out of the chamber. And when you close the lever, it loads another cartridge. So every time you, you fire the gun, you, you press the trigger, then you've got to manually cycle this lever to take out the empty bullet and chamber another round of live ammunition to the chamber. Uh, not terribly slow to fire, but ter- incredibly slow to reload. So this firearm had a lot of things going against it for their intended purpose the media was throwing around mass shooting mass shooting and i don't want to play semantics with you know how many people have to die for it to be considered a mass shooting Mm -hmm. but listening to all the episodes and i listened to them all again today on my way home they had 13 rounds of ammunition at one time they talked about saving two for themselves so now they're down to 11 rounds of ammunition he was going to try and kill his parents so if that had worked he would have been down to nine rounds of ammunition 
And then he was James was supposed to kill Randall. So they would have arrived at the mall with eight eight rounds of ammunition. So they would have had enough to fill the firearm once and shoot five rounds and then put four more in. Had he got through the first five rounds, when he stopped to reload, it would have the mall would have emptied. It would have been so slow to reload that everybody just would have ran for the exits. Um, and the shotgun is, is arguably faster, but it's to reload because you just crack it open and put another bullet in, but it's one bullet at a time. So very slow. Going to the shotgun for a second, like to, I've never touched one, but to crack it open and take a bullet, you know, take a bullet out and whatnot, like how much strength would you have to have to do that? Like I'm thinking Lindsay's, she's really tiny. I'm guessing she's 90 pounds. Like, would it be yeah. easy for her to crack open a gun? and take a bullet out as somebody who, again, she said it herself in the Facebook log, she's never fired a weapon. So she'd be a complete amateur. Yeah. She had a couple of things working against her. So one, so you and I, I mean, this will be an audio show, but you can actually see me right now because we're doing this via Skype with a camera. So this tab on the back of the receiver here, mm. that's what you have to depress. And you, as you can see there, it does take some effort to actually get it open. So she would have to struggle with that. And then she manually, you know, puts in the shell. Well, now what? If she's not shown how to use this, pull the trigger all you want. Nothing happens. Just because you put a, a bullet into this gun does not mean it's going to fire. If she doesn't have a lot of firearms experience, she wasn't brought up hunting with this on this particular model of firearm with her father. She would almost certainly, under the stress of what was happening, forget to do this. And that is cock the hammer so once the hammer is cocked then when you depress the trigger the gun would fire now you have to open it up again oh this one ejected the spent casing for me uh, and then i would drop another one in so you'd be fumbling in your pocket for loose rounds of ammunition uh i don't know a jacket or a hoodie or something in your you know she said she was going to wear skinny jeans not conducive to holding ammunition and getting it in and out of your pockets so they really their lack of experience in firearms really would have contributed to not understanding the logistics and the poor logistics that went into this. So a lot of people said, I don't know if they could pull it off. And, you know, um, other school shooters and other mass shooters have had firearms experience, have gone to ranges, have taken lessons. They didn't have time to do that. She's never shot a gun. This is 12 gauge, 90 year, 90 pound girl. It's going to knock her around. The other thing is when they start lighting rounds of ammunition off inside a building, their auditory, I mean, they're, they're actually going to be in physical pain from the ringing in their ears from shooting a gun inside a building. 12 gauges is loud. The rifle is incredibly loud. So that would have also caused extra stress and distraction to, oh my God, like this thing is, is knocking me around and my ears are absolutely ringing. So the, yeah, I get the, the shotgun, that part I really understand. Cause I like, I can envision you opening it and putting the new bullet in and all that stuff with, with the rifle, which seems to be the more, I guess the more better suited of the two guns for what they were planning when he has it loaded and he has say five shots in there, are those, can those shots be one after the other, or is there anything you have to do before you take a shot and go on to the next one? Well, why don't I load it up and, and actually show you how it works, and then we can discuss it. How would that be? Sounds great. 
Okay, now obviously, for the listeners, I am not loading a firearm in my home. I have dummy cartridges for the purposes of this exercise with Jordan here. It's illegal to load a firearm where it's not legal to discharge the firearm. So, all right, so the first thing we have to do, Jordan, is we've got to get the receipt, the action open so we can insert the cartridges into the firearm. And you'll one of the problems that they may run into, but I'm assuming that uh, James probably had experience with this firearm. There's a little tab down here. That's a safety. And if you don't know about that, you can't, you can't even open the action. So you got to depress the safety. Now the action's open. Now you put the bullets in one at a time. You see how fast this is going? And I'm experienced in firearms and with this particular gun. But it's just the way it is. You just cannot load this thing fast enough. And I'm loading this off a table. I'd have to be pulling the cartridges out of my coat pocket or something. So, all right. So now I've got five in there. Close this up. So now there would be a bullet in the chamber. So what happens, Jordan, is you would press the trigger. And now you've got to do this. Watch my hand. And then close it again. Press the trigger. Open that up. would be hilarious if anyone was watching <laughs> and the gun's jammed <laughs> yeah i can't even get that that uh dummy round out of the chamber so right now there's a guy who's much bigger than you on top of you elbowing you in the face um yeah more often than not and i learned this from my threat assessment training the um and we learned in this in this case too they were suicidal and they did plan to shoot themselves when they were done and there's been many instances in the United States where someone goes in to shoot up a place. The second they're confronted with um, any kind of resistance, they shoot themselves. There's one story where that person's AR-15 jammed and a civilian who was licensed to carry a handgun pointed his handgun at him. As soon as he got the AR-15 unjammed, he shot himself with it. So, uh, yeah, you can see it's kind of cumbersome now. In fairness, these are already fired cartridges and they swell up a little bit so they don't go in and out of the chamber very well so it's not really a fair test but it still gives a great idea like even just hearing how long it took you to load it that's again that's you an expert sitting down at a table doing this if you're standing people screaming you have a mask on because he would have been wearing a scream mask um it's going to take a lot longer. And like you said, you know, the mall's clearing out at this point. Somebody may grab you. And even in his, his logs, the chat logs, he was terrified of the idea of people giving resistance and possibly getting their hands on him. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it definitely hearing your, seeing you hold the guns and load them. It, it gives me a different kind of perspective in your mind with the, with the weapons that they had, if they had have gotten in the mall with those weapons, how do you how do you see it playing out? Do you do you think it would have been the massacre that the media maybe led it to believe, or Lindsay and James thought it could have been? Well, with only eight rounds of rifle ammunition, we don't know how many rounds of twelve gauge and what kind of twelve gauge. If they went in there with birdshot, birdshot twelve gauge ammunition is called birdshot for a reason. It's really good on birds, and that's about it. So there would have been injuries, but probably no death from from the twelve gauge unless they were like literally point blank. Um, which no one's going to stand still and, and let them get shot, you know, let somebody shoot them. So, and uh, assuming they got in there with all 13 rounds of ammunition, 
and assuming they could hit some targets, I think probably the worst we would have seen would have been maybe five people shot. I don't know how fatally, I don't know how proficient he would have been. I don't know if he ever fired that firearm. Yeah, he's, I think um, he said he had never shot it. I, I believe his experience with a gun is walking around his bedroom um, holding a gun, taking pictures of himself. Yeah, and hopefully not practicing to, to load it. Mm-hmm. So, But as I said, hmm. any, any loss of life is too much, obviously, but thank goodness they they were not planned. They didn't understand firearms, and I mean, they obviously were going to use what they had access to, and they should not have had access to these firearms. Um, it's been claimed that the firearms belong to his father. So somehow, obviously, because he took pictures of himself with his father's firearms, he had access to these firearms, unlawful access. The only person who can access your firearms is the licensed firearm owner. So I'm not sure how up to speed maybe that home was with Canadian firearms laws and, and safe storage laws, but he had access to, to them. And uh, I think that had he got through the first five rounds, if somebody close puts a chair across the back of his head and, and the mass shooting is over. Uh, but you never want to, you know, you only, I'm not, I'm not advocating that by any stretch of the imagination get yourself as far away as fast as you can and don't try and be a hero. But, um, uh, it's very real possibility that someone could, could have definitely tossed a chair into his face and taken him out. So chances are it would have been a clusterfuck and they would have got nothing done. But, I mean, even if they got one person killed, that's one too many, right? I'm six feet tall, just about. Look how big this gun is. Like, well, how am I going to get this gun in the mall? Not, not only that, they were going to take the bus to the mall. <laughs> and they also had plans to bring a bunch of Molotov cocktails with them. Oh, Jesus. On the bus. Now, the shotgun, though. Let me show you something about the shotgun. The shotgun could have been brought into the mall because um, it wouldn't be hard to put in some kind of duffel bag because the unique thing about a shotgun, this kind of shotgun, is watch this. That part comes off. What's now my the longest part is this barrel, and this barrel is between 28 and 30 inches. Okay. So. So, less than three feet. For people out there, Trevor, who are interested in guns, maybe they don't realize that there's a popular Canadian podcast for firearms enthusiasts. Where can they hear more of you? Um, We're over at slamfireradio.com. So, we're in all your usual uh, podcast catcher apps and, uh, of course, on our website and Facebook and Instagram. I want to bookend this discussion by again restating the fact that any loss of life is tragic. If one shot had been fired in the Halifax Shopping Center's food court, it would have been unimaginable. In our conversation, we simply set out to consider what exactly these weapons would have been capable of in the inexperienced hands of Lindsay Suvonaroth and James Gamble. Fortunately, an anonymous tipster made a call to Crime Stoppers and stopped this plot dead in its tracks. Thanks to you, Anonymous Tipster, these firearms are being unloaded in a speculative discussion as opposed to being done by a SWAT team on the scene of yet another mass shooting. 
that when we return for our next episode, we'll continue to examine the concepts associated with the story of Lindsay Suvonaroff and the Valentine's Day shooting plot. But until then, we'll conclude this episode of Nighttime. I want to end with a few thanks. A big thank you goes out to Trevor Furlot for taking the time to join us and provide his unique insight on the capabilities of these firearms. If any of you listening are interested in firearms-related discussion, subscribe to Trevor's show, Slam Fire Radio. It should be available wherever you get nighttime. A huge shout-out goes to the Canadian bands Vox Somnia and Paragon Cause for providing the musical and ambient themes for this episode. You can check out both great bands by following the links in this episode's show notes. A big thank you to Tyler of the Westside Fairy Tales podcast and Lisa of the Secret Life of Weddings podcast. Tyler and Lisa played the parts of Lindsay and James in the reenactments of the Facebook chats you heard earlier. Now, I'll be honest, I'm never crazy about reenactments, but I thought including a few short pieces would add some context to my discussion with Trevor, and I think the actors hit a home run on it. Now, on the topic of these reenactments, please let me know what you thought of the ones included in this episode, and let me know what, if any, you'd like me to include in upcoming episodes related to this story. Now, I'll end this with the biggest thanks of all. I want to send a huge thank you to everyone who's listening. Without you, I'd have no excuse to spend so much of my free time on this show. For anyone out there who wants more nighttime, please check out the Patreon group. For as little as a dollar a month, you can support the creation of the show and access the supporter-exclusive feed, which provides ad-free, early releases of episodes in addition to prior episodes no longer available on this main feed. You can visit by joining patreon.com slash nighttimepodcast. With that said, I'd like to thank the current patrons of the show and welcome the newest members to the group. Richard B., Keith Nolan, Alyssa Martin, Ann G., and Kelly from Slamfire Radio. I appreciate your generous support at nighttime. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't help financially, you can give me a big hand by telling your friends about me and leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts or Equivalent. If any of you listening want to stay up to date with my activities on and off the show, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I use the handle at NighttimePod. If you have any story ideas or feedback on the show, I'd love to hear from you at NighttimePodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte. Like what I was thinking I could share online if you ever decide you want to do it, whether it's you or them, you could do a demonstration with the exact guns, like do a video or something. I totally want to do that, but I want to do it with a novice, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, let's say she just got off the airplane. Yeah. All right, look, I'm going to show you how to use these guns. What do we got? 20 minutes? I'm going to show you how to use these guns. I can't demonstrate shooting them for you because we're in an apartment. Yeah, well, and they, yeah, they don't have enough bullets to test it. <laughs> Right. Here's the ammo. Here's the guns. I got a timer that I use for competition and I'm going to be screaming. I'm going to be putting you under intense mental stress while you're doing it. Ready, set, go. Load the gun, load the gun, load the gun. Shoot, 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 shoot. And people are screaming and freaking out to see how. That'd be really cool. If, uh, if you get an opportunity and you do it like that, that'd be awesome. People, 
Yeah. I want to do it with you, but uh, that means I've got to get us on the Nova Scotia range. Yeah. Oh, that'd be really cool. Okay. Well, you, if you're if you're up for it, let me try and set it up. Yeah. Whenever uh, whenever you're in town, we'll do it. Well, there's um an indoor range that I go at before matches on Saturdays, and I'll be back in town at the end of the month for a match. Well, let's do it. All right. We'll set something up. Awesome. I'll send you the exact date soon. Yeah. Dinner's on me. Oh, sweet. All right. Cool, man. Awesome, buddy. Thanks so much. Thanks, bud. Bye-bye.